Warning, great marriage advice ahead. Marriage on the Rocks is not a licensed marriage counseling service. Our opinions and methods work for us, so your results may vary. Hey everyone, welcome to our 15th episode of Marriage on the Rocks. I'm Crystal. And I'm Seth. Every week we have a drink with our discussion, and we decided to keep it a little simple today and have some Bullet on the Rocks. Yeah, Bullet is... Probably one of, it's my favorite whiskey. I, I like it more than everything. I know you like Buffalo Trace yeah, a lot. Buffalo Trace um, is good. But bu- this is, Bullet oh is man. Yeah. very, very yummy. Um, it's really good. Hopefully we'll be doing a trip to Kentucky here. I know. Pretty I soon and we'll be able to do the, the, the Bullet tour and everything. That'd but yeah, awesome. it's my favorite. We like this. We like the rye. Mm-hmm. And we got the rye. And it's what we drank on our very first episode. Yeah, I know. Um, and now we're on number 15. Yeah, it was Bullet. And so figured we'd. Go back to that because it's a it's a good easy drink on the rocks. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, so today we are going to be talking about family ties. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself I come from a a really big family. I mean, with I guess with my my sisters, I I just have two sisters, but my dad's side of the family is pretty big, and he had there was seven um, brothers and sisters. In his family, mm-hmm. and then they had kids, and and they had kids, and they had kids, yeah. and, <laughs> and yeah, because so he on. had he had nieces and nephews that were close to his age. Yeah, because the gap was so big. Yeah, between was, him and his oldest sibling. Yeah, yeah, he was two years old. I think he was two when when he became an uncle. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, he, and that that's kind of how with uh, my grandfather's family, he was the baby of twelve. Um, and he was raised on the farm with some of his nephews and things like that, and they were the same age. So he grew up sometimes closer with his nephews and nieces than he did his own siblings. Oh, yeah. Um, uh-huh. I know. So, and you come from a pretty pretty big family, but you weren't raised the way that I was yeah. with your family. Right, yeah. My, my extended family is massive, um, and they take, they're all in California and Oklahoma, and I think we have some in Florida and I'm sure scattered out everywhere in between, but we, we would do, our, our family had gotten so large and dispersed that they would do, you know, the annual family reunions. Um, but I wasn't close with all of my extended family like you were mm-hmm. with yours. And I think that growing up, I, I was more exposed to my grandfather's like brothers or the nephews that were his age than I was their kids or grandkids oh. um, because of I, w- I was usually the youngest one going to everything because I'd go with with my grandfather to all this stuff and that's what he would mm-hmm. do so I wasn't I wasn't necessarily raised with my cousins well, I had he was the youngest too right? yeah so yeah and I had I had uh, one cousin that I was you know we would spend time with my grandparents pretty regularly when we were small and he was a couple years younger than me but by the time we were adolescents transitioning into teenagers uh i didn't see him again so we didn't we didn't grow up we spent some time together when we were really little but i didn't have the same dynamic that you had yeah i know so for me my family my cousins and everything i grew up with them and they were my friends Mm -hmm. and you know i mean i had some friends from school or whatever but mostly like um doing overnight sleepovers mm-hmm. and stuff it was with my cousins well you guys did family trips together yeah. and stuff like that too uh-huh. with your cousins and everything yeah yeah. Uh-huh. yeah and i didn't do that uh-huh. so yeah we grew up together we mm-hmm. i grew up with 
the family, you know, going to my great grandma's house every Sunday for for dinner and mm-hmm. um and all that. And so like every I mean the whole family. Right. <laughs> you know, I guess then it wasn't as big as it is now. Yeah. But and uh and it's funny too because just kind of uh thinking of how you know, how many cousins do I have? You I don't really, <laughs> I can't really say know. it off the top of my head, right. yeah. you know, how many I have, but, and it kind of gets lost in, in translation when it comes to the, to the family tree and, and all that. I think you've, mm-hmm. you've kind of said that before with. Yeah. Well, and, and you, your experiences growing up were more similar to my mom's experiences mm. because she was in the same dynamic you were, uh-huh. um, where the the siblings, you know, you had the 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 main, I guess, the starting of that family tree, the the whatever great grandfather and great grandmother, great great or whatever it is. Yeah. But to you, it was your it was your great grandparents, mm-hmm. and then your grandparents, but then your grandparents' kids. Yeah. And and their kids, and that was really kind of the nucleus of seven people being able to completely keep their families close was easier to manage than once they started having kids and then their kids' kids. Mm-hmm. Because as the family grows, you're going to have natural distance where your little cousins, your second and third cousins, aren't going to be as connected to the family as your first cousins are. Mm-hmm. Just because their parents have different families now or one parent has a different family than the other parent and it's just as big or... You know, whatever you just tend to see this natural separation, and so I was that kind of third generation removed that was kind of that first wave of separation from the the big family piece. Yeah, um, and that's how some of your younger cousins are yeah. going to be going. That's what they're going through now. Oh yeah, um, especially the last family function we went to, there was how many babies oh, there? Oh my gosh! Yeah, everybody has a baby. <laughs> Lots of babies. So it was just a. I was like, oh my gosh! But you figure. Just the you know the pyramid scheme of the family. Of, well, you have a kid, and they have two kids, and they have three kids, and yeah. it just becomes too much. And that's where you guys aren't currently doing the family reunion every year, uh-huh. but you're gonna have to. The I family's gonna have to here yeah. within here the next soon. few years. Yeah, yeah really it's gonna ha- you're gonna have to do a scheduled family reunion just uh-huh. to. And even when we go to those events, and there's a hundred people there, there's still a hundred not there. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know. So come with with having a big family. There's, you know, lots of, lots of fun things, lots of, uh, good things about having a big family and going to the parties and stuff Mm -hmm. is definitely one of them. And, uh, having, I mean, having birthdays every year and having all of my cousins come to my birthday party and, and everybody get me birthday presents. Yeah, you get a ton of presents. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then even for Christmas, even, I mean, I, I remember... At, there was one point where we were doing, uh, you know, Christmas presents for everybody, and I think eventually we had to start, you know, drawing names and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Thank God. But yeah, you can't keep the, up with. You'd have to save all year and take out yeah, a loan to buy everybody a present for everybody. <clears throat> but um, so yeah, the parties are so much fun, making those memories and and the food. Oh my oh, gosh, yeah. you know, I mean, my great grandma was the best cook. On the planet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, everything, almost every time we go, over half of it's homemade. Oh, yeah. And it's made to feed the army of the family that you guys are. Yes. And so it's, I mean, the, the first really big 
family function I went to. I, I had, it was funny because I had met at one of our very early dates. I met a good chunk of family at a birthday. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And you were like, "This is this isn't even the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. This is just like this little group of family that lives over here." Mm-hmm. And then we had one of your aunt's birthdays. It was shortly after that for her fiftieth. And that was a pretty big turnout. And you were like, yeah, this this is about half of them. <laughs> yeah. And it was, we were packed in there. Mm-hmm. And then by 4th of July is when they had the big, Fourth the big July shindig annual. that they yeah. did every year. And I guess that was, that was probably closer to the family reunion type of feel. Type of feel, yeah. But, uh-huh. you know, the, you were, you were warning me about. Mariachi. The, 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 the real mariachi band there and. Like, I hope you haven't eaten this week because there's going to be a ton of <laughs> food. Of food. And, and it was, I mean, uh-huh. just tons of food. And they shut down just because of the amount of people there, the entire block. It was not a block party. It was no. at one house. But all the people there just shut down the block. Uh-huh. And, like, they were shooting illegal fireworks, but the police couldn't even come over because there were so many cars. <laughs> the police couldn't even, it was like their own roadblock. So the police yeah. just... We could yell, I guess. I mean, I don't know what they could do because <laughs> they'd blocked it off way down the street, uh-huh. and we were almost up the top of the hill. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But that was, yeah, it was, it was, I don't know if I'd say overwhelming, but it was a lot of people. Uh-huh. But, uh, and, and we, by then, we'd been dating like six, seven months already. Yeah. Uh-huh. And even the few times we met people, everybody kind of said the same thing about me, which was, yeah, I always just thought quiet. was weird. Yeah. That was so odd. Like, yeah, he's he's quiet. Yeah, everyone knows by our podcast now yeah. that you are not, not the quiet, quiet one <laughs> whatsoever. No. So I, I didn't get that. Yeah. And then I would meet other people's boyfriends. I'm like, how the hell did they think I was quiet? Yeah. That dude hadn't said five words since he's been here, and I I've know. known him for four months. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know. Um, but with all the, the parties and the, the fun stuff and, and all that, I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing that is I guess the the best thing about having a big family which could be good and bad is I get well not good not bad but having the support the Mm -hmm. support system of a a huge family you always have somebody to talk to and to I don't know just reach out to if you're not doing good or if you you are doing good too but if you're not doing good and you don't feel like talking you got 50 people that want to reach out and see if you feel like talking oh my gosh i know (laughs) that's so true yeah so i was like yeah i'm okay quit calling quit leaving or just leave me alone i'm fine i'll let everybody know when (laughs) i'm okay come over yeah Yeah, don't come over right but yeah all of uh you know you have the good the good stuff with having a big family but then there's always the bad things too mm-hmm. um but for us we we feel like we are the most important part of our family right is each other yeah i mean once once you once you make the i, I, I we'll, we'll talk of kind of about where that happens but especially when, once you have made the commitment that you are a married couple, mm-hmm. that now, that is your family. Mm-hmm. Even if it just starts off as two people, that is your family. And that is the most important family of your of that time moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, that's not... You're, I, I, I would hope that saying that doesn't shock people. Yeah. 
because that's that's how it should be. It is. And if even if that family is two people and two dogs, or you know, two people and a fish, whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. that that is the most important family. And if you, they're most the most important relationship in. Yeah, that yeah, the most important relationship of that whole family tree uh-huh. should be the one that you're currently in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most, and I, I'm, I'm sure not all, but I think a lot of couples would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's a lot of family members that would not. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Because of things like family first and when 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 the term family first is used it's it's used from we are the big family over here and you're this tiny little union but we come first mm-hmm. um and then it's you know followed by don't forget where you came from and remember your roots and yeah. and it's not that when you become that partnership union that you forget where you came from or you flip the bird to the family right yeah. it's just that the family needs to understand the new dynamic mm-hmm. and that more of your effort and time and energy is going in as it should is going into this new relationship, mm-hmm. not the family one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people should understand and support that. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think that with, with the family, with your own family coming first, I think that there can be a lot of parents mm-hmm. that that think otherwise too and they can well they can help a relationship or they can hinder a relationship too Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i mean i think that you know you see movies like failure to launch or yeah (laughs) things like that and you know you can blame the the loser child for all of that but who's enabling Mm -hmm. that type of behavior and i think that some parents aren't ready for their child to launch. Mm-hmm. And so they, they try to stay involved. They try overly involved. Um, they tend to get too opinionated or too nosy or too whatever um, to where they kind of try to dictate the relationship's decisions. Um, and, you know, you hear and see these horror stories of, of mother-in-laws, you know, controlling oh, the wedding and, yeah. and, you know, all of these absolute awful things that they can do um and i don't know if that still really goes on as much as it may have used to oh well with the with the monster mother-in-law thing yeah i think it does we just haven't experienced yeah (laughs) i think it does definitely have go on um if you guys have monster mother-in-laws hit us up (laughs) i want to hear some of those stories i i thankfully don't have a monster mother-in-law and thankfully, she understands the the dynamic. Yeah, yeah. that our that our relationship is mm-hmm. the most important. Well, she's very careful to make sure she doesn't impede on mm-hmm. our time or anything like that. Yeah, because she uh, lives very close. By. Yes, but she went through the monster mother-in-law, uh-huh. and that scared her enough to where. She hated her mother-in-law. She didn't want you mm-hmm, to, hate, <laughs> to her. hate her. I know. So she, you know, and she doesn't have to tiptoe around it, but she's very careful with, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, what she says, or in, you know, she doesn't interject her opinion on things like that to us and mm-hmm. to you and um, all those things. And I think that that's you know, that's that's a pretty good example of how unless we ask for her yeah, opinion. Mm-hmm. But that's a pretty good example of how most parents should probably yeah 
handle it. And mm-hmm. I guess, unfortunately, a lot of them don't. I know. Uh, but even if you aren't that rabid monster of an in-law, there's still things that typical average in-laws or parents do that can still, like you said, they can either help or hinder mm-hmm. the relationship. Um, and you need to make sure that as a parent you're not enabling that behavior. Once mm-hmm. your child or children, whoever it is, decides to branch out, hopefully you gave them a good enough example of what a good foundation of a marriage should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, and, I, and I see a lot of these cliché um, you know, social media posts about, you know, you know, what a great example, you know, my parents were for mm-hmm. a marriage and you have to wonder sometimes, is that, is that just something people say to be nice? Because yeah. we definitely saw a very good chunk amount of a generation that married at a very young age and didn't really like one another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. And they stayed together forever because that was during the times, the moral and ethical thing to do. You didn't get divorced. You didn't leave. And I think that it goes back to that people think that longevity is... Equals success. Yeah, equals success. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily true. Yeah. And that's why they say those cliche-type things is because... Yeah. You know. Right. Because it's, oh, you've been together so long, you must have done something right. Yeah. And it's like, no, they didn't do the biggest disservice they did each other was they stayed together for 70 years. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, on they fought and, you know, but they still sit together. Yeah. And, and it's almost like what what example are you wanting that to be? What What's the message you want to relay? Mm-hmm. Because in a relationship that fights all the time where people nag at each other and call each other names and put each other down and constantly bicker and argue. What are, your teach- what are you teaching yeah, what, your kids? What are you patting them on the back for? Yeah. You know, I mean, I look at my own grandparents who fought and fought and she called him names and he called her names and they just picked at each other and nagged and he would kind of do the shutdown quiet thing while she was upset and that's not a great healthy marriage. Well, and then as a kid, you kind of think that it's kind of funny. Right. But you can well, I remember thinking cuz my grandma did the same thing to my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And I remember I remember feeling sorry for my grandpa when I was a kid. Because of the way she talked because to him? Because Grandma was so mean to him. Yeah. And I was like, geez, well, did, that's did, not nice. My mom, did she ever tell you the story about my grandma wanting me to say something sweet to her? Yeah, I think so. Wait, go ahead and tell us. So, <laughs> yeah, so my, my grandmother, we, she, I was really little, and we would do these things where she would, you know, pick me up or cuddle with me or something on a chair, and I'd sit on her lap, and we would say we were going to say sweet things to each other. Uh-huh. And so she would call me sweetie and pumpkin and all this. And so I called her butthole. <laughs> oh, my God. And she was livid. Well, I thought that that was a sweet thing to say because that's what she called my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> and she would start yelling at him. And she'd be like, you butthole. Yeah. And I thought it was a term of endearment. <laughs> so I was like, oh, you're, you're my butthole. <laughs> oh, my God. She got all mad at me. Um, That's funny. That's cute. Though. But once again, once again, what example are you right. setting? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And we tend, because of the longevity that you mentioned, we tend to applaud these people. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 similar. I know it's not the same, but it's the similar of the person that has a shitty job and stays there for thirty years and then gets a gold watch and everybody throws him a great party for what a great job he did when he just gutted it out. He just stuck it out. Marriage should not be something you stick out. Yeah. It shouldn't be something that you persevere through until this, you know, fading light at the end of the tunnel when the only sweet release is death. 
to get away from your partner. Gosh. And that's something that you hear older couples joke about and talk about. Well, I know. Well, at least when they die, it'll be quiet. Well, <laughs> and when, well, actually a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, I saw um, a post on Facebook, a meme that said uh, that the husband and was it the that he had died, and then um, then the wife dies, you know, mm-hmm. a month after or something. Right. And then there, she opens the gate, or they open the gates of heaven to her. To, mm-hmm. And um, and then she goes up to her husband and gives him a big hug and a kiss, and he's like. What are you talking about? This is only till death do us part. Yeah. I was like, oh my I'm gosh, single now. That's so mean. That is so mean. Yeah, right. Well, and, and then that's, you know, that's and I know that not every lengthy relationship is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we tend, we tend to reward that, that length of service or whatever you want yeah. to call it, uh-huh. that it was just this great achievement in. I mean, I, I guess it's an achievement. Are you really good at putting up with somebody else's crap? Yeah. Because they showed multiple signs throughout that entire, you know, 50 to 70 year marriage where they were not happy. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't want to be that example. No. I don't uh-huh. want people talking about, you know, as we're older that, you know, we bicker all the time and that we call each other names and that you're driving me nuts and that I just quit talking because it doesn't matter what I try to say because you're going to shut me up. And I know. You know, I don't want that. I know. And that's what, I mean, we try to teach little Seth, you mm-hmm. know, good values about a, in being in a relationship. Yeah. And how you actually are supposed Should, to effectively communicate. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, and, and then, so <clears throat> teaching your kids, being parents and everything and teaching your kids these things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the the kids that won't grow up, and then they just keep going back to mommy and daddy when something does go wrong. Yeah, and, and you see that quite a bit where one of the, I don't know if I'd say luxury, but one of the things that, you know, being in the military and moving away from home for over 20 years, I didn't have that option. Mm-hmm. If... Uh, my ex and I got in a fight, or once you and I were married and we were still in Colorado, if we got in a fight, I couldn't run home to mommy and daddy and complain mm-hmm. and spend the night and talk about how awful you were or something like that. I mean, and we never got in a fight where that would have happened at all anyway, but you, you tend to see that behavior a lot where you know a couple gets in a fight, and I, I think it's usually girls that do it. Mm-hmm. You think that there are some guys? There are some cases where guys will do it when a guy will, especially like if he's a, a mama's boy or yeah, a mama's boy and goes to his mom for everything. Mm-hmm. There's definitely those cases. I mean, I guess yes, more more times than not, it's gonna it is the girl that goes back right to her parents and complains and and you have to be you really have to be careful with that too. With the complaining? Yes, with complaining about your partner to anybody. I mean, to your parents, to your sister, to your brother. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess if you're a girl complaining to your brother, that's probably really sticky because then the brother can right get all huffy and puffy and want to beat your boyfriend or spouse mm-hmm. up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, but complaining about your, your partner... Really, I mean, you you really have to be careful with it. Well, and if unless you're actively trying or planning on getting out of the relationship, 
it does no good. At all. Because if you go home to mommy and daddy and you talk about what an asshole Tad is and you guys got in a fight over how to fold the laundry or whatever it was and, you know, he called me a bitch and I, do, I think I made a mistake. If you aren't trying to get out of that, you, you are now forging an opinion of people that their opinion really does matter over your relationship mm-hmm. and they're going to think ill towards your partner person, and they're yeah. never going to forget that. Um, and people do that outside of just telling their parents. They, mm-hmm. We've talked about it before, but they post it on social media. They mm-hmm. tell everybody in the freaking family how awful somebody is. A lot of times, even if they end the relationship, they say these horrible things about their now ex to really kind of justify why they broke up. And then the dumbass gets back with them. Oh, I know. And it's like, okay, well, you just spent the last two months telling everybody... What an absolute piece of trash this guy was and how worthless he was and that he was verbally abusive and physically abusive and addicted to drugs and whatever else you want to throw in there. And now you look like a complete moron Uh because you got back with this person. Yeah. Keep that shit to yourself. You don't have to tell everybody. I mean, and that was one thing that you did with your ex. You didn't didn't complain or tell everybody about his drug addiction Uh until after the, (laughs) yeah, after the fact and now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Because and it would have done no, no good, good right. at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I didn't want to feel like an idiot, too. Like, I was... Because I... Because I, I you knew. weren't breaking up. Yeah, you I were the one that was still in the relationship. I was making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And um, how embarrassing would that be to, to admit that? That's how right. I felt. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the things that... I mean, even even on... You know, the level with my ex, I didn't complain about her to people because mm-hmm. I felt the same way. I felt like I felt like the idiot doormat that was just in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want people to think that, you know, I was less of a man or that I was weak or that I was whipped or whatever. Yeah. Those things go with it. So I just didn't complain about um, how she was. Yeah. Um, but I did think you that... To your, I think you did to your mom. I, I would tell bit. her about certain things, uh-huh. but after we split up, I, I think I probably shared a lot more uh-huh. with her. Uh-huh. Um, but I could, I mean, when they would come and visit, they would see how she acted. So mm-hmm. I, I could, they, I could saw it firsthand. Yeah. They saw her, her temper tantrums and all that stuff firsthand. And so I couldn't really hide anything, uh-huh. you know? So yeah, that's true. They, they had to see it. And, uh-huh. but going to your parents, going to your parents, I, you just have to just, <laughs> just try to keep it to yourself. Yeah. If you're having amongst, problems, work it out. Yeah, amongst each other. Yeah. Don't you don't have to go to somebody because especially in a big family, once you tell one person the Even whole, if it is your parents. Yeah. The whole freaking family knows. Yeah. And that's I mean <laughs> And it starts off very simple. Uh-huh. It, it it could be, you know, you run home to mom and dad about what happened and then you know, your brother or sister call mom and dad two days later. And like, oh, yeah, so-and-so stayed the night last night because her and her man were fighting. And then the sister tells one of the cousins. Yeah, the te- well, cousin and then it's tells the, the telephone game. And yeah. then it changes every person you talk yep, to. Yeah, it's like the whispering in a circle. Uh-huh. Then it gets worse and worse and worse. And meanwhile, now everybody in the family thinks that you're with an idiot and a loser. And mm-hmm. they all think you're the idiot yeah. <laughs> for staying with the person. Right. Um when you don't have to broadcast what's going on. Uh-uh. If you have that one person that you're confident that you can lean on, and maybe it is a parent mm-hmm. that you lean on, that you have the conversation with. We're not saying don't do that. But running away from the problem Isn't and gonna... running back into mommy and daddy's arms. All the time. Yeah, too. all the time does not fix it. And as a parent, 
you should dissuade that behavior. Dissuade it and, and actually give good advice. Right. But you see a lot of you see a lot of parents, especially dads to daughters, mm-hmm. that are like, Oh, you can come home anytime, you know. Come here and I'll hold you in my arms and everything's you're, gonna be, be okay. Yeah, you're forever. my little girl forever. And it's like <laughs> No, you've you've got you've got to let go. Uh-huh. You have to let her make those bad decisions. You have to let her Especially if they're young. Mm-hmm. If they're young, they're, they're going to... I mean, we, we've told people, we've told, you know, our own kid and his girlfriend, your relationship isn't going to be like ours because mm-hmm. we were in our 30s when we got married and you guys are in your teens. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to fight. You're going to make mistakes. And especially if you have those young kids, let them make those mistakes. Let them have the fights. Let them have the disagreements. Let as them... hard as it is right. as a parent to let go mm-hmm. and not... And just keep your mouth shut, because that could be very hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> to right. just shut up. Well, and that's and that's a problem I have, even with interjecting with him on uh-huh. other stuff. Yeah, is just, and I usually think about it after the fact. I'm like, I shouldn't even said anything. Uh-huh. Just let him, let him do what he's doing, and he'll hopefully learn on his own. Yeah. After he gets his hand slapped for it or whatever uh-huh. it is, um, but that's that's a hard thing to control, mm-hmm. especially when you think your kid's in pain, mm-hmm. even if it's emotional pain. That's a very hard thing to to let go of and just let and watch happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying it's not difficult, but it's yeah. it's a necessary part of growing up uh-huh. that they have to do. Yeah, you know, and, and some people take that that parental and as a parent, you should be supportive, but not invasively supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we we see, and it still happens today, are couples that. Still live with their live parents. couples that live with their parents. Uh-huh. Um, married couples with kids still living that live with, with their, their parents. parents. And I'm not talking about. And I know that we, we've we've had friends that culturally that was just kind of how the family did things. I'm not talking about that. I mean, mm-hmm. one person that failed the launch, and then they married an idiot that his parents don't want anything to do with them anyway. But they, you know, now both of you haven't launched, and then you make the dumbass decision to have a kid. And now your parents are basically raising two adults and a baby. Oh gosh! <laughs> and that's and then it goes on for year after year after year, and it's like, what but the it's hell like, are you doing? So I wonder if, like, in those situations, I mean, I know that everybody's to blame in that, right? Yeah. But like, I wonder, you know, if there's like the mom and the dad of the of that, like disagree yeah yeah if one of them is like no they need to learn you uh-huh. know on their own they i'm gonna kick to... them out yeah and then <laughs> yeah you know and i would i would guess that it would be the mom that's trying to let him stay keep them yeah unless you're red and kitty foreman I guess. <laughs> but yeah i mean and, and I, I wonder if that is it that uh-huh. sometimes it is the parent dynamic can't really agree on how to really post-raise your children of, uh-huh. uh, yeah, well, this is their home. It's always your home. And one, one, of the, one of the actual, and it was very painful for me, but one of the things that, that my parents did after I, while I was in boot camp mm-hmm. for the military, they moved. Uh-huh. And I was one of those people that the day I came home from the hospital after being born, I was raised in the same house until I became an adult and left for the military. And so while I was in the military, while I was in boot camp, they sold the house that I grew up in and moved somewhere else. And because of that, visually and mentally, I didn't have a home to go back to. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't go back. I didn't have a room anymore. I didn't, mm-hmm. I, you know, they weren't, 
it wasn't one of those where I left and my room was the same. And yeah. ten years later, you creak open the door and yeah. all of my posters are up and baseball cards on the desk. Like on and, American Pie. Yeah, it's not. It was not like that. Change. And that's kind of what I thought would happen. Uh-huh. So the first time I came back to visit, it was to a brand new house where I didn't have a room. Yeah. And I, I remember walking in like, well, where's my stuff? Where's my room? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, you don't live here uh-huh. anymore. And that was super tough to get over but the service it did was there was no visual or mental association anymore with mm-hmm. well if things go bad I can just go home I think because that, home that didn't funny exist too because I think that I kind of not I didn't go through exactly the same thing because I was still in Denver and my parents mm-hmm. lived right there and everything but I think that I I didn't I never really um, brought all of my stuff with me, uh-huh. like I kept some of my stuff, like yearbooks and stuff, at my parents' house. Right. It's like I don't know why uh-huh. I did that. Maybe. What are you gonna do with it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's true. But yeah, I, I don't know. I was just like, my mom was finally like, Crystal, you need to take get your shit all out of your here. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember calling me one day saying like, what, what about these Barbies? And I'm like. Oh, there's still Barbies there. Yeah, they can't just stay in a yeah. box in the attic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, but I think that that, you know, that, that complete separation is very important yeah. because it takes away that, that safety net. It does. And, and I think that a lot of times when people know they have that safety net to fall back on, they're going to abuse it mm-hmm. uh, and continually abuse it. And I think that, you know, and, and once again, when, when I say, you know, moving in with your parents, I'm not talking about a temporary solution because you've had a financial hiccup or something bad has happened and they are really that support system to help you get through this. I'm talking about you've made zero effort to move out and become an adult and grow up and you now have your own new family living with your parents. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Yeah. And it, I mean, you should not be closer to 40 than 18 and still be in that situation yeah uh, and that's absolutely ridiculous uh-huh. um, and yeah call yeah. me out on i don't care i'll <laughs> argue that with you all day that's absolutely ridiculous it is yeah um, you need to you need to grow up you yeah need to, you need to get out yeah you're not yeah. an adult you, you can't act like an adult and one of the things that you need to be aware of if you are in that if you are constantly using your parents as a safety net Right, wrong, or indifferent, they have more of a say in how you live your life oh, yeah. than you would if you were on your own. Uh-huh. Um, and so when you're saying parents stay out of this, well, if mommy and daddy are paying your electric bill uh-huh. and getting a, still having a roof over your head, I don't care if you pitch in 25 bucks a week for groceries, yeah. they still you know, have some kind of say. What do you think about like the, with them paying rent and stuff, though? If, if it is a completely separate situation where they pay their exact share of everything uh-huh. and mom's still not cooking food for them uh-huh. they're making their own bed they're buying all of their own groceries they're buying their own laundry detergent and fabric softener and i mean if you're talking like well we we have money and we have a mother-in-law suite and my kids live in that mm-hmm. but they are paying for everything I would still blame the parents that they didn't let their children fully grow up. I know. Yeah. But I would still, that's better than, you know, living in the basement of your parents' house with your spouse and two kids and dog 
yeah. because you haven't made any of the right decisions to get out on your own. Yeah. But once again, who do you fully blame? Because the parents let that happen. Mm-hmm. The parents let it snowball into that situation that it is right now mm-hmm. and didn't stop it. I know. And it probably started as a good, well, you can, you can stay with us until you get on your feet. And that was, you know, eight to ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, how long does it take you to get on your feet? I mean, how many houses have we lived in and moved and built in that amount of time? And you haven't been able to live in a freaking apartment on your own yet? I know. That's pathetic. It is. <laughs> or save up enough money to put a down payment yeah. on a house. You would think living with mommy and daddy for that long, yeah. that you should be able to save up I know. a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you can't afford to live there on your own, you need to move. Yeah. There's... Yeah. 40 different states with way low cost of living that you can afford to live in. Yes. So. Exactly. So I think like, well, going back to um, growing up with a big family mm-hmm. and all that, like, and go and saying again how my cousins and everything were my friends. Right. My best friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we... Like I said, we, we shared a whole bunch of fun memories. I mean, I think a couple of weeks ago I shared this little thing. You know, your your uh, childhood wasn't lit or whatever right? <laughs> if you didn't dance with your cousins and make vi- music videos. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I tagged my cousin and my sister in that. Yeah. You know, and you have those fun little little times and mm-hmm. memories and stuff of of when you were growing up and mm-hmm. and I guess you just when you went to the same school oh, with some yeah. of your cousins uh-huh. too yeah yeah so it was because you all grew up in a you know very small radius from one another mm-hmm. and so it wasn't just weekends at grandma's it was throughout the week you saw each other almost seven days a week yeah well I think it was pretty much seven yeah. days a week and then you know my cousin would have to um, walk home with us to my house, mm-hmm. and then her parents would pick her up at yeah. my house. So we, we were even after school, we were even together, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. seven days all throughout the whole week, five right. days a week. Um, but yeah, and you can't, they always say you can't choose your family, or you, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that could be a good thing. <laughs> It's kind of a good saying, but then it's not so good, too. Yes, especially if you have a family member you don't like. Yeah. Because no matter how much you dislike them, you can't ever not be related to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can end a friendship. You can't end a family tie. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just impossible to get away from. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean you have to see them or associate with them. You right. Mentally write them off, but you're still going to be connected uh-huh. no matter what. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that it... I don't really know why that statement even came about because I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I'm not sure who originally said it and what the point was because to to me it sounds like a negative statement uh-huh. because I am one of those people that I'm going to be much closer with someone that I do get. And once again, I wasn't raised with a bunch of brothers and sisters and cousins, so it's easy for me to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to be more loyal and a better partner or friend or whatever you want to call it with someone that I do get to choose. Mm-hmm. I don't have to accept their faults. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, it's something that I'm equally investing in. It's not that we're just connected because we're family and we have to get along. Yeah. And that's one of the other things that kind of 
sometimes piggybacks that statement is you guys are family, you have to get along. Uh-huh. Well, uh, right. No, you yeah. don't. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what sometimes, from my perspective, a bond with one of my lifelong friends that I'm not related to in any way, shape, or form can feel stronger than a bond with the, <coughs> the cousins I don't know and don't spend right. any time with because mm-hmm. I don't take this relationship with a friend for granted because it's it's something that we made together. Mm-hmm. It's not that we were thrown together and our parents were related and so we ended up in the back seat and over at grandma's all not to downplay those relationships, but it's just how they develop are completely different. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Well, and sometimes like even, even like with my sister, mm-hmm. my sister, she was uh, pretty much the opposite of me though. Cause she grew up with all of her friends, mainly right. her best friends, not her family. Uh-huh. And I remember her telling me once that like, she doesn't think that we would have been friends. And I think, I mean, I think the same thing. We wouldn't have been friends yeah. if we weren't sisters. Right. You know, we wouldn't talk yeah. if we weren't sisters. Well, and that, that's one of the things that I think that that's a really good question to ask is, and, and I, I don't know if it sounds cold or it sounds harsh or it sounds inconsiderate or whatever, but if you say, well, if we weren't related, will we still spend time together? Uh-huh. And... I don't know what you do with that. If you say, well, yes, then, well, great. You have a ton in common. You would be friends whether you're related or not. But if you say, well, no, we wouldn't be friends. We wouldn't talk. We wouldn't have hung out. What does that really mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> Is it just you don't have to read into, into it too much and say, well, we just don't have anything in common aside from our family bond? Uh-huh. Is that enough? I think in some cases it is. Yeah. But I think in, in other instances it's not. But I think whenever you do find out that you don't have as much in common, and you are family, you still have to put kind of that same effort that I referred to as a friend into that relationship Mm -hmm. because it's not as seamlessly organic as you would think it was. Mm -hmm. Because when you find out, especially if it's a sibling, yeah, we're related, we were raised in the same household, we don't have anything in common, Mm -hmm. and we probably wouldn't have been friends, and we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have hung out in school, we wouldn't have done sleepovers at each other's houses, we wouldn't have been in the same social circles in any way, shape, or form. You actually have to take a different kind of effort to have that successful relationship. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah. I so, totally I think agree. that it's, it's not that one's worse or better than the other. I mm-hmm. think it's just different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, um, with, with having a big family, um, a, a con <laughs> would definitely be <clears throat> the, not having privacy mm-hmm. with, and I, I mean, I kind of touched on it a little bit, um, about everybody knowing your business. Yeah, everybody yeah. knowing your business. Every every little thing. And once you tell one person, mm-hmm. and like I guess we said, you know, if you tell your parents or whoever, mm-hmm. it everybody knows everything. Right. And I think that it's especially worse now nowadays with social media. Oh yeah, yeah, by far. But. The, the, the neat, the, the funny thing about social media is people, if somebody knows something negative about you because you put it on social media, you're the dumbass that did that. Yeah. So if you break up with your idiot boyfriend because, you know, they're an alcoholic and gotten an involuntary manslaughter wreck, mm-hmm. and you talk about what a waste of space they are and what a loser they were, and you're so glad to be out of that, 
and you blast it out there. Yeah, everybody's going, oh my gosh, did you see what she put on Facebook? Did you see what happened? Did you see this? Yeah. And then when you change your profile picture two weeks later and you're back with that guy, yeah. everybody's like, oh my gosh, see what an idiot they are? Did yeah. you see this stupid stuff now? Didn't she just say two weeks ago that this happened? I mean, so you're creating that. No, it's there's no rumors. rumors. Yeah, there's no uh, rumors. Yeah. You are creating this, you're, you know, creating the perception of what's going on. It's not a rumor. Uh-huh. Nobody's elaborating on it. You are putting out there to the world the dumb decisions you're making and people are just reacting to that. Yeah. It's different than, you know, auntie talking to grandma on the phone about what, you know, little Julie did the other week and then it gets to the other aunties and the other cousins and this mm-hmm. and that. When you're the one in control of what everybody sees about you and you're blatantly and voluntarily putting that crap out there, uh-huh. you are not allowed to get mad or upset at everybody. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny because, you know, back in the day, you do call, you know, you would get the mm-hmm. call from somebody and then you you think that that spread like a wildfire. Oh, yeah. But with social media? Well, it's oh it's as soon as they put it, it's a screenshot yeah. and they text it to five people. Yeah. Did, did you see what she posted? Yeah. Look at Facebook right now. I mean, uh-huh. and it's it happens like that. Yeah. Um, well, and you have and, and it's like you have to screenshot it because they'll take it then down. Then later on they'll yeah. take it down. Yeah, when they get back together, <laughs> they take it down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it could be it could be just so much drama. I mean, I know that Social media could be a good thing with the family, too, if something bad happened or something. Or you're doing the family reunion. It doesn't have to be bad. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and one of the reasons, like, the reason my mom started a social media account was when we didn't live near her, and it was a way to see pictures. Yeah. It was a nice way to feel like you weren't missing out. Mm -hmm. And so when it's used that way, which I don't think a lot of people use it that way, but some do. Uh Uh-huh. Um... That's a very great use of social media. Yeah, well, and saves on lots of uh, invitations and stuff mm-hmm. to the birthday parties, to the tons of birthday parties yep. that a big family has. Mm-hmm. And, and I know some people still send those that, that stuff right. out, but social media definitely could help <clears throat> mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But I think mo- more, it's more so the nosiness and... right. And going on some one of your cousin's pages or whatever and, and looking back at, you know, dumb shit that they did or whatever. Yeah, you know? right. And, and that's, uh, that's what sucks about families, too, is that everybody talks shit about everybody, mm-hmm. you know? They don't want to admit that. I know. And they don't want to say that. Uh-huh. And it's a lot of, you, you tend to, you, you can see, not always, but you can see this you know, any of, enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh-huh. And that happens mm-hmm. a lot in families of family members that don't necessarily get along or disagree on stuff and don't see eye to eye or they have some kind of, you know, valid disdain for one another. But then somebody else comes along that they both dislike and then those two people that don't like each other get together and then talk bad about the other person. Yeah. Um, and those, yeah, those are definitely negatives that can come out of the family stuff yeah um i think that with well i know like for us we've actually unfortunately had a bad situation with social media Mm -hmm. and families and for you you had people reaching out to you um from my big family Mm -hmm. and um friend requesting you and all that yeah i mean right right after right after we started dating 
I got friend requests from people I hadn't met yet. Mm -hmm. And some of them I wouldn't meet until that party that next July. Yeah, and then you'd be like, who's so-and-so? Yeah. Oh, that's Auntie blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was kind of weird the ways that it happened because you, I kind of got this initial um, you know, curiosity phase of who is this guy of people I haven't met mm-hmm. that were sending me friend requests. And I was well, very new. Especially since I just got out of a long, long-term right. relationship too. Yeah. I'm sure they were really like interested, like, oh my gosh, who, who's Sue with now? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so I kind of got this curiosity phase of people. And I was very new to social media in general. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had been on MySpace, and it was just kind of fun and goofy and, and uh, just had you know, kind of fun with it. And, and then I got on Facebook because of you. Mm-hmm. And immediately I kind of got, the, like I said, this curiosity phase of people reaching out. And I'm like, I would ask you, who's this? Because it would say one mutual friend, you. And I'm like, who's this? And you know, some of them were people that didn't even live in the area mm-hmm. and you're like and like you had to think like oh well that's so-and-so in california or whatever uh-huh. and i'm like okay and so i was accepting them all because i was the new kid on the block and i didn't want to be rude mm-hmm. and i didn't want people mm-hmm. judging me or somebody be like I, I sent crystal's new boyfriend a friend request and he wouldn't even accept it you yeah. know so i was accepting everybody and then once i started to meet people then i got people that were like okay well i'll request him after i meet him and then I kind of got that second wave of, okay, I met him. He seems okay. I'll send him the friend request. And then there was kind of the third and final wave of, I don't know how serious they are. So I'm not going to waste my time mm-hmm. on a friend request until I think they're actually serious. And so then those kind of happened later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't send one friend request to anybody. Mm-hmm. And that was always kind of what was so funny to me. And then I would see it as other people got into different relationships, the same thing happening again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it'd be like, you know, you get the notification, so-and-so is friends with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Did, didn't they just like go on their first date? Yeah. The other day, why are the, why is half the family friends with them now? <laughs> you know? And so yeah. that was always kind of funny to me. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're being on that flip side of it. The only assumption you're left with is this is a lot of nosy people. Whether that's right or wrong, that was my take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and and they could say, well, we're not nosy, we're caring. Right. We're just we just care about this person. Which is just a friendlier way of saying we're nosy. We're nosy. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> that's like saying bless your heart after uh-huh. something. Yeah. But you know, if you take if you take the it, one of the things that with social media was the learning curve that I had not been exposed to. Uh, I had always been exposed to people that were, I don't want to say like-minded, but we, we shared, I shared more opinions with people I was friends with on social media than I didn't share the opinions. Mm-hmm. And so I would definitely see friends that had different opinions on, you know, whether it was politics or music or whatever subject you want to put in there. I would see that, but for the majority of my friend base, we we had very similar perspectives on stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if I would share something that was, you know, lighthearted or funny or poked fun at something political or excuse me or whatever it was, I would get, you know, a group of my core people that I knew or we had similar interests that would like it or laugh at it or, you know, thumbs up it or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so I wasn't really exposed to the 
I don't want to say massive amount, but this good chunk of people that had completely different views, opinions, takes on life, or whatever you want to call it, and that can cause a problem. Mm -hmm. And if you say, and this this is not what happened to me at all, but let's say that you know, you know, Tom is an atheist and he starts dating Janet, and they get together. And as soon as Tom and Janet are dating, Janet knows Tom's an atheist, but then the entire all of Janet's family sends him a hundred friend requests, and he posts little stupid things here and there about, you know, you know God God isn't, you know, whatever they want to say. I don't know what atheists post. But, but if they post little funny, quirky things about being an atheist or whatever that, that perception or, or that belief system is, whatever it is, where they, they say this stuff. And people kind of chime in, and you can kind of tell some people are getting a little offended by it. But it's like, well, you need to remember you reached out to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not changing who I am. I'm just expressing who I am. Yeah, and like Janet's family is like... A devout Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. And they're like, what the hell is Janet doing with this atheist, atheist. now? She's, yeah. Yeah, well, we need to protect the rest of the family uh-huh. because we're God-fearing country over here. And she doesn't need to be associated with that atheist. And mm-hmm. so finally, the straw that breaks the camel's back is he shares an article disproving God's existence. Or whatever it is. And then the claws come out and it's like, you know, you, how dare you? And it's like, well, that's, I was just expressing or sharing what I thought. Yeah. And, you know, you can choose how to handle those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- those type of things, of course, you don't want to really say, well, this person's more wrong than this person. And you can say that, you know, well... You should be more respectful of people's feelings and, and opinions or, or whatever it is, even though you know social media is the platform to apparently share your opinion on every freaking thing you want to nowadays. Yeah. Um, well, but, but people but bash you. <laughs> if you don't have their same if opinion. If you don't have their same opinion. Mm-hmm. And the word opinion doesn't mean opinion anymore. No. I mean, I, I, I can sit there and say that, well, you know, I like grape jelly. Grape jelly on peanut butter and jelly sandwich is the best. And somebody's going to say, no, strawberry is. And I can be like, well... How can you say that? Strawberry, first of all, strawberry has seeds in it, and that shit gets caught in your teeth, and it's not fun to eat. <laughs> Grape is way better. It's smoother. It's more jelly-like. It tastes better. There's more zip to it. It's way better than strawberry. Shut up and fuck you and your strawberry. Yeah, but what if it's made with um, grapes that have seeds in them? I don't get... I get seedless jam. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's just, it's just a preference or an opinion or a taste or whatever it is, and we do this with everything, whether it's... It's religion or politics or fitness or fill in the blank of whatever your opinion. I mean, we've seen plenty of things on social media, whether it's here's a blue dress. No, it's gold dress. Yeah. Here, what was the stupid sound one? Are they saying this or that? Oh, what was that? Jeez, that was not too long Something ago. Something Lanny or Yanny or Yanny, I don't know what yeah. it was. But whatever it is, and we keep proving as a society that we just have different, different takes opinions. on stuff. Yeah. But that's and that's, a, that's okay. not okay anymore to a lot of people. It is okay. Well, I'm though. just saying, yeah. Yeah, to other people's. Uh huh. I mean, your opinion is it's okay. Mine is it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that when when you get people from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. and you start throwing in the different factors that make them who they are, and people that don't really know them uh, on both sides are exposed to who they are, they don't really like it too much, mm-hmm. and. 
you get kind of defensive with yeah, it. Yeah, well, and then families coming with you coming from a different upbringing and everything mm-hmm. than I, me and my family did. Mm-hmm. It families, I, I guess they tend to, they can bicker, right? And they can, uh, of course, not agree with with what your right beliefs and, are, or whatever. And when you have one person that disagrees with one other person, but then. Whatever on that counter side is, well, it's not just one person that disagrees with you. It's two of us. Oh, it's not just two of you. It's three of us. So it's four or five of us. You get outnumbered. And the numbers feel more justified by their, by their opinion just because the counter opposition has not gone out and gathered ten people to support his opinion, mm-hmm. even though they exist. And so you feel, you feel the power in the numbers of, and justified. Well, we're right because you, 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 and me all think he's wrong. Yeah. And doesn't mean that anybody's wrong, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a couple of different ways of handling those situations. And the first one is you don't have to be exposed to everybody you're connected to on social media. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, and I'm and thankfully now, I mean, I guess like five years later, things are are finally normal mm-hmm. with with the situ- the unfortunate situation that we had to deal right. with through. Be with family and social media. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was never. It never got. It never was verbally confrontational. It was never physically confrontational. Nobody ever got in anybody's face and pointed at them, or uh, there wasn't any type of um, scene mm-hmm. at any of the family events or things like that. Everybody was still very civil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you say time heals all wounds or or what, but you know, it just. It's one of those things that doesn't seem like, you know, anybody's really dwelling on it anymore, and it's yeah. one of those things that that happened, and it's past Over. everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. who yeah. cares? Um, but but once the only reason we bring it up is because it is an aspect of how the family's influence can be on a relationship, mm-hmm. and and it can cause a wedge between right, and that's that's where I was headed. If if you have a very good relationship. When the family causes the disrupt or their, the perceived cause of the disruption, chances are the, the couple in the relationship are probably going to grow closer because of it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the wedge is actually going to happen between the partner that's connected to the family and, and the family. rest of the family. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's one of those things that from the family perspective, and it's, it's not just, you know, and we've, we've been on that, that side where... We've seen another family member or a friend that's like, you know, they're, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Do we say something? And do we, do we, you know, whatever, get confrontational with about in whatever way we want to with it? Um, and more times than not, you look at it and you say, well, if I say anything, it's probably just going to cause more of a problem between me and them than fix the relationship. Uh-huh. And we've made the decision to not butt in. <laughs> I know. And that's, I guess... And that's tough sometimes. Yeah. I guess with, with that, like, if you are in a, a bad situation with... Well, or you see your sister or someone in a bad situation, and then you do tell them, you know, I care about you. I, mm-hmm. I really don't want you to, to be in this situation. <clears throat> I don't... This person this your partner is all wrong for you Mm -hmm. you you do risk 
your sister not severing that relationship. Yeah, Yeah. and your sister not talking to you anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, and and there are there are some times where if if it's an abusive relationship, um, not not just that you know they you know they're they're they've picked a bad partner, Mm -hmm. but if it's if there's abuse, if there's you know real concern for their well being in these relationships. There are some times where we, we've seen people that said, you know what, I know I'm going to lose them, but it's worth it to, basically what they're saying, it's worth it to make my opinion known. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's ever fixed it. I don't think anybody's ever sat down and said, I'm going to have a heart heart with you, and I know we're never going to talk again, but I hate the person you're with, and you need to get out of there, and if you don't ever see me again, that's fine. I understand it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's only worth it if they get out of that, and if they get out of that, then it's not going to ruin your relationship, but even in those really shitty severe situations I would think more times than not they don't leave the relationship and it just they end up getting more and more distant from the family and if you start severing relationships from the family because somebody's doing something you disagree with you're taking away that support system when they're gonna need it and they are gonna need it Uh and so you don't want to well do you think I don't know I mean because I I think with with family (laughs) I think that even even if you... Because I don't think that that support system is ever taken away. Yeah. Well, I guess. I think you, you can't... I think it depends on the person. I think some people... Hold grudges. Are, or... Well, I'm, I'm very stubborn, and I <laughs> hold grudges pretty severely. And I don't know if I could say I could see myself. I guess it would depend on who... And it's, it's hard for me to say because I don't have that type of connection, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I know we've seen people that have, they don't have a relationship with a very close family member any longer because they had a different opinion about that person's well-being. I'm not talking about a stupid opinion like politics or the stuff we've been talking about. I mean, like a severe, you know, you're with a drug addict who's beating the crap out of you and you've got three kids that are exposed to this and I'm calling Child Protective Service to get you guys out of this or whatever it is. That tends to sever it. I think that if that family member ever came back to the person that did that mm-hmm. and said, I know we had our differences, can we work? I think, yeah, it, everything can be mended. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. Uh-huh. But I, I just think that person that is in the bad relationship isn't going to come, you know, quote-unquote crawling come back. Come back like yeah. that. I know. Well, maybe years later mm-hmm. is what I would think Yeah. would do. Yeah, and a lot of times it takes a significant event for that type of stuff to get better mm-hmm. again or just time yeah well and we we always we believe like we said before that we come first mm-hmm. us our family mm-hmm. uh me you our cute little doggies <laughs> little seth and we I mean, we come first and there is some people that don't believe that i mean you had a friend that was that had his or his uh, significant other or his wife's yeah, family she, tear them apart. They, they were both from very large families, and you know he he was really trying to put the focus on the relationship with he and his wife and their their children and things like that. And her family kept interfering. It was either opinions about him. It was you know whatever you, you could throw all kinds of stuff in there. Um, and but one of the major parts was she she was the shoulder for other family members to cry on. Mm. And she was dedicating more and more time to her fam her you know blood related family than she was her partner mm-hmm. in the marriage. 
and he ultimately ended up feeling neglected and you know people got in her ear and her head and people got in his ear and his his head and they weren't able able to get past it so they had to get divorced and break up and and i think that that's uh you know, you, you can you can point at the relationship itself and say, well, if it was stronger, that wouldn't have happened anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about, you know, actually making that definitive choice. I'm choosing my partner over my family. Mm-hmm. It's really just choosing who you're going to spend the most effort on. Um, you know, I've said it with the friendships when we talked about that. At best, it's got to be 59, I'm sorry, 49-51. Mm-hmm. 49% for second on the totem pole, 51% for top. So at best, you still have to deliver 51% of your time and energy to your partner and 49% on your family, mm-hmm. your other family, or your original family, whatever you want right. to call it. Family of origin. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, there are going to be some tough decisions that come up. And I think that some of those are handled by severity of the situation of where you need to do it. And if you're with a good partner, they're not going to you know, impede a death in the family or an illness or... Um, you know, even, even happy stuff like weddings and births and things like that, they, they won't impede those. But at the same time, if you are continually spending time on um, spending, just, just spending that the physical time with other people because of large families or needs or demands that you have and, and you're doing birthday parties every weekend yeah. and well and your family telling you the family comes first their mm-hmm. blood is thicker than water right you know them telling you those things they're you really... almost get guilted into yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. well and, and one, of, one of the unfortunate things that happened with with my grandfather was he was the favorite uncle i mean he was all of all of his nieces and nephews just adored him and they put him on a pedestal and Worship the ground he walked on, and there couldn't have been any in their eyes. There couldn't have been anybody sweeter than him. But the flip side and downside of that was he completely neglected his wife and his kids because he was so focused on making sure that his family of origin was taken care of mm-hmm. and um, looking after his siblings and looking after their kids and you know dedicating his time on helping them. That how many how many siblings? He had eleven. He was the baby of twelve. Wow. And. Uh, you know, and he would he would go on trips out of state to see other relatives by himself or with his nieces oh, and wasn't nephews. It with, uh, and like during your mom's birthday. Well, too? her yeah, like, her birthday always fell usually on the same weekend or week they did the family reunion, and yeah. he would go to the family reunion instead of her birthday, mm-hmm. um, instead of, or expect that the family reunion is part of her birthday or whatever. Yeah, and so and he chose them over. Yeah, and he continually chose his family of origin over. His family that he had started, and then that's why your grandma would call him a butthole. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, and that—that's one of the things that you, somebody's getting slighted, mm-hmm. and and for a lot of cases, somebody that looks like the best person in the world to somebody, they don't look that same way from somebody else's perspective, right? Um, because of you know, what what would you rather go down as the the favorite uncle or the best father, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and you, unfortunately you do have to decide sometimes where you're going to spend that, that time and effort. And some of those I think should be very easy decisions. But it um, doesn't seem like they are to. A yeah. Lot a lot people. of people feel that, you know, I, I, you know, I don't care if, if you're, you know, the kids are sick, it's so-and-so's birthday. I promised them we were going, I've got to at least make an appearance. Well, everybody's going to understand if you don't. Yeah. 
you don't have to feel forced to go do those things. And I think once you realize that, once you do realize and recognize and stand by where your priority should be, it makes those decisions very, very easy. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, that's extremely easy for me to say because I don't have this huge family that I'm committed to yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So it's it's easy yeah, for somebody well, like I mean, me. It, it, it's easy, but you, you still do have your mother mm-hmm. and you have little Seth too. And of course, when, I mean, when we first got together, I remember you telling me that he was going to, that he was the most important you right. know, person in your life. Yeah. And I mean, then we get married and, and all that. And your wife becomes the most important right. person mm-hmm. in your life. And, you know, and your and that is hard. I think that that is probably hard to make a decision for well, for yeah. your own child, even. Yeah, it, and it is. But but you have to... One of the things that I, I was very aware of um, as he was... You know, because he was, he was old enough when we were together that he I could talk to him like a person. I didn't have to treat him like a little kid yeah. about our relationship and things like that. And so initially it was... We, we I just had the split where, you know, he... I had him when we weren't going to be together. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's how we did it. So it didn't impede on our time, and he and I could still do stuff. And then as his his mother started pursuing other relationships, she didn't want him on the weekends. And so we, we were together, and so he would spend them with us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when he got more exposed to um, our relationship and, and how we kind of communicated with and with each other and what we saw. But I, I had to be very aware once once I decided that you and I were going to be married – we were going to be more responsible for one another than as we got older than I was going to be for him as he got older. Mm-hmm. Because as he gets older and he gets married, you know, once again, those are going to be more important to him yeah, than, than I am. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so you have to be aware of that as a parent and know when and where to make those deposits of investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, people, that's, that's how it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. You want your child to be the best spouse and partner and parent that they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to be the best son or daughter. Yeah. They're supposed to be the best partner or parent. Uh-huh. And I think people lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. And you're not letting them be the best parent and the best partner when you're constantly focused on them being the best child. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. You, you have to watch that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that I think that's a good <laughs> a good way to really End, to end it? Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thanks thanks again for listening, everybody. Um, happy birthday to Seth. Um, I thought you forgot. I, I didn't. No. It's my birthday this week. Yes, it's I Seth's birthday. I am 54 years old. 54. He looks damn good, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, thanks again for listening. Um, go and like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, iTunes, SoundCloud, all that. Yep. And we next week we're going to be talking about fitness. Yep. Yeah, so listen in. I, we might have some... Get your spandex and leotards out. <laughs> we're going to get physical. Yep. <laughs> um, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks.